Didomi is a Greek word meaning to give or has given. God gave Didomi. And out of gratitude, we give back to our neighbor and to our community, Didomi. My name is Manala Tayar, with Christian friends working in organizations that advocate for justice and peace. We put together Didomi, the Didomi podcast, where we share all the issues that we are working on. I'm joining you from Lebanon. I serve as Regional Fragile States and Peacebuilding Advisor with Tearfund. Within my role, I seek to address root causes of conflict and fragility in the MENA, with a specific focus on Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon and Yemen. My co-hosts for this episode are Wissam Al-Sadibi, who's in Geneva. Welcome, Wissam. Hi, Manal. It's good to have you back. Uh, we did uh, eight episodes without you. This is the 10th episode. You were on the first one. I'm very happy to hear your voice again. Thank you, Wissam. Thanks for inviting me to be part of this. And welcome to Ari de Pater, who's also in Brussels and co-hosting this with us. Yeah, thank you, Manal and Wissam. Good to, see, uh, to be with you today. Thank you, yeah. Um, and finally, we've, we have a friend from Thun, Switzerland, Mark Jost. Mark is the General Secretary of the Swiss Evangelical Alliance and Chair of Interaction, Christian Evangelical NGOs platform. Mark will be sharing with us on his campaigning against the Marriage for All referendum in Switzerland. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah. Manal, be yes. before we move to our episode topic and our conversation with Mark, can you update us on the situation in Lebanon, where you are living? Oh. How have things evolved since our interview with Wissam Nasrallah two months ago? And how are you and your family? Uh, thanks for asking, Ali. This is a big question, honestly. Um, the word I would describe to describe how I'm feeling um, is possibly overstimulated. I feel like we're dealing with a range of emotions every day from frustration with the fact that electricity only comes two hours a day from our government. And so this leads to our, our fridges not working, including many other things, but the fridges and mm. thus food poisoning. So we deal with that. Then we've got the fear from the fact every time we go to pharmacies, we're not sure if we will find medication, uh, as you may have heard cancer patients weren't receiving any uh, treatments and their their treatments are no longer available. So they've been demonstrating in August. We're dealing with grief as we lose friends who have made the very difficult decision to uproot themselves and move to another country. Horror as we've watched our currency lose over 90% of its value and our savings being completely held off from us. So we don't even have access to our banks Exhaustion from all the never-ending queues for bread, for cooking gas, for fuel. Um, yeah, we some may have shared that people stand in line for four to eight hours a day, missing their working days if they've managed to keep a job to be able to go get fuel. So, yeah, it's just um, lots of emotions. And I, I guess one of the things that really is difficult for me is what has come out of the World Bank saying... You know, this economic crisis and financial crisis is one of the worst they've seen in the past 150 years, and they've called it a deliberate depression. So the government policy is deliberately, you know, enabling or letting the currency sink the way it is. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that's the update, I guess. All of this comes um, at the backdrop of... Um, the traumatic season with the Beirut blast, the COVID-19, the refugee crisis. 
yeah, so <laughs> it's been a difficult time. Uh, really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Manal, you mentioned that uh, many friends are leaving the country. So what keeps you there? And or at least what gives you the capacity to continue to function mm. in your important role with Tear Fund covering the region uh, from Lebanon? Wh- how are you able to work still from Lebanon? I'll confess that I'm not immune to the thought of leaving. I've had many hesitations this season, thinking, am I naive to decide to stay? Will I regret this decision in the coming years? But I'll also confess that I'm part of a tiny minority of privileged people who have enough securities, enough job securities and others uh, to be able to seek multiple sources of internet, of electricity, um, but also to be able to create space for myself to continue to do the work that I do while creating rhythms and space and rituals in my life that help me rest and seek beauty. So whether that's time with friends and community or seeking time in nature. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've noticed that I need, I need this time to rest to be able to continue to do the work that I do. But I also want to share with you, Wissam, um, I see, I've seen so many glimpses that give me joy um, in, this, in this season. Our Muslim neighbor, for instance, has been the one advocating for us to help us get gas at a Muslim gas station. Um, I've seen families sharing what meals. What do you mean by Muslim gas station? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> to make sure yeah. this is clear for our listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I live in a majority Christian town. But my town is so small that we don't have a gas station here. Our next door village is a um, Muslim village. And so the gas station there, I'm calling it the Muslim gas station, um, is where we try to go get our gas. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Sure. So, yeah, I mean, these are the small moments where I've seen people help each other. I've seen some families who have solar power in their apartments set up ways to be able to um, you know, give cables from their their apartment to the next apartments in the same building, just sharing what they have. And so I've seen how in this crisis, and I, I would wish it upon no one, um, but I've seen us kind of rediscover what's meaningful, what's essential in life, kind of how the same way that COVID-19 did. Uh, it was very difficult for all of us, but we've, we had to face questions um, that otherwise we had not faced up until that time. And so, yeah, the, in my moments of hopelessness, um, these are moments that I remember. And there are moments where I really need to hang on to God's words that he gave us in, his, um, in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. There are moments where I have nothing but that. Um, yeah. Thank you, Manal. I was in Lebanon in July when... Uh... I experienced some of what you went through. I mean, we wanted to get a Panadol or Tylenol for my mm-hmm. dad, and I had to go five or six pharmacies and other other challenges. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. How can we uh, help and how can we pray for you, for Lebanon? Um, one way to help is to support one of the many churches that are supporting those on the margins, the poor, the sick. Uh, And I know there are many from many uh, traditions, evangelical, Protestant, Maronite, Orthodox churches. So if you care to be connected to a church, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, You can reach us at contact at didomi.co. And of course, you can also pray and please pray. Um, Three things come to mind. Pray for the spirit of God, 
the spirit of generosity to overtake the spirit of greed. And I mean that on a national level where the politicians um, are making decisions, but also on the less national level where supermarkets and fuel stations and others are hoarding what they own in order to sell them at higher prices. Or in our own individual lives, you know, when, when I have more than my daily bread, can I give to others? So pray for the spirit of generosity. But also pray for justice. Justice does need to take its course, and um, I would love it to come through God's will, as well as through our broken human institutions and human efforts. Um, so pray for justice to take its course, even with an extremely corrupt ruling class. And finally, I would say, um, pray for us to have the courage to enter the difficult emotions, whether they're grief, hopelessness, frustration, um, I'm, I've been challenged by a book I'm reading called The Prophetic Imagination, that it's only when we enter these moments, enter these emotions, but enter them and expect God, God to lead us out of them, expect him to give us directions. It's only then that, um, yeah, um, we can truly be prophetic in the way that we, um, we're living our lives. So as my mom says, um, we, we pray as prophets have prayed, that we will pray and wait upon the Lord. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. Thank yeah. you, Manal. Yeah, yeah also for, from uh, my part from Switzerland, uh, thank you so much. It's very touching mm. um, listening to you. Uh, and if I may just ask um, mm. a question from, from the perspective uh, of Western mm -hmm. Europe, Switzerland, where, where I feel it's a safe place. We have security in, in many ways. And even during pandemic, it's, it's a privilege uh, to many of us to, to live here. What, what would you share as a, as a message to, to us here? Um, I, we, we heard how, how we can mm -hmm. help, but is there anything you, you learned uh, through these times mm. that you think this is worth sharing mm. with us? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as, I, as I shared in my prayer point, I'm, um, I'm realizing that I'm, well, right, realizing is uh, to be nuanced, but that I am an idealist and that um, I work in the field of peace building and justice seeking because I feel like I have a passion for it. And often I have to uh, work with many pessimists who think that um, it's impossible to change things. And so I'm, I'm often, um, and in my disposition as a person, I'm often much more positive than others are. And I've noticed that in this time, I've kind of clung onto these positive emotions. I've, I've tried to remain hopeful. I've tried to remain positive and I'm noticing that it's difficult to do that. <laughs> and uh, I'm afraid, I'm really honestly afraid of entering hopelessness because it feels like if I become hopeless, how can I even operate in this country? How can I remain here? How can I be, how can I serve in my role? Um, so one thing I'm learning is to actually sit with these emotions and not pretend, not put my head in the sand and pretend, you know, everything's fine. God's got us. And he does. He does. But we, there are also realities that we need to look in the face. And, um, and, 
And when we acknowledge these emotions, or I hope at least that when I acknowledge these emotions, I hope that God will be able to lead me out of that um, with more of his direction rather than my ideas of what is a good idea, how we might be able to overcome things. Um, yeah, that's what comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Mm -hmm. You asked a question, Mark, and I'd like to answer a bit. I'm currently in a conversation with Wissam Nasrallah, mm -hmm. whom we interviewed uh, two episodes ago on Lebanon, trying to see uh, how as global evangelical bodies and how Christians like in Western Europe can help and uh, which sectors can benefit from such help. For example, the schooling system, uh, the evangelical schools, uh, the health sector, uh, both of them are severely uh, affected. And for many people and friends in Lebanon who have uh, some form of job security and overall security, if you take away the education and the health sector, for them it's over, even if you have a well-paying salary in, amid the crisis. If, if your children can get mm -hmm. education... And if the hospitals cannot receive you in, a, in an emergency for, for, for an operation or something, uh, you know, it's over. Uh, you, you will pack your, your, uh, your stuff and go. And we're, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to understand this and having a conversation basically with some and a few others to see uh, how uh, the global church can help in these two sectors so that to, to help the Christians and to help the Lebanese uh, overcome and to stay in the country and not to leave mm. Mm. thanks yeah thank you for sharing with some and thank you mark and adi for also taking interest in this part of the world <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah i'd like to invite us now to move perhaps to the main topic of our discussion today on switzerland another country facing a big policy decision soon in fact in less than a month on september 26 Swiss voters will decide whether gays and lesbians have the right to marry and found a family. Those in favor of marriage for all are very likely to win, as they represent the majority of the population. As I mentioned earlier, joining us from Thun, Switzerland, is Mark. Um, Mark, as a Christian and as a representative of the Swiss Evangelical Alliance, your main point has not been to defend the Christian, quote-unquote, understanding of marriage, or traditional family values, but to focus on the best interest of the child, which you have pointed out to be growing up with his mother and his father. Do you mind sharing with us why you think the best interest of the child is the critical point in this debate and not the understanding of marriage between a man and a woman as such? Uh, in Switzerland, the issue of uh, marriage for any couple of same-sex couples uh, and others, uh, and uh, the original couples, is linked to the question uh, of adoption and is linked to the question of sperm donation for lesbian couples. So uh, this is the circumstances we, we are in. And so, um, of course, it is a problem from our point of view if we have a redefinition of marriage but linked to it are some other important questions. The European Court for Human Rights said that the member states are free to have marriage for all or to have marriage for men and women, men and women, 
on the, on the other hand to have a registered uh, partnership for same-sex couples as it is the situation in Switzerland um, so there would not be a, a big difference uh, juristically or from from the rights point of view uh, if there was not the issue uh, with the children and that's why we focused on the children and the children's rights you focus only from a children's rights perspective but what which children's rights are violated mark when you say children's rights what are you advocating specifically for with this new law um, as i said same-sex couples could adopt children and uh, lesbian couples could through sperm donation receive a child from a, from a donor and this second point uh, seems very problematic to me from a Christian but from a human perspective because the state would then decide the child uh, in this situation would not know who is uh, the biological father at least for until he, the child is 18 and at the same time would not have a male parent and we think this is this is a problem because in uh, the development of, of a child, it is important to not only have male and female uh, parenthood, but to know who, who is my father and who is my mother. Or to, to say it uh, in another way, it's, it's a risk for the child that is, is not um, necessary or uh, the state ha should not allow it. Um, yeah. So that's that's our focus uh, at the moment. So you mentioned that this is a problem with the lesbians couple. Isn't it the same problem with the gay couples? Uh, just to clarify, you only focus on the father, but what about the mother when it comes to gay couples? So gay couples, uh, for them, the change would be in the adoption right. Until now, uh, they're not allowed to adopt a child only if it's the child of one of the two brought into this um, relationship, uh, this uh, adoption is already possible. Um, in Switzerland, uh, at the moment, we have like 20 plus uh, adoptions per year. And we have a, a lot of couples, um, men and women, who are ready to take care uh, of these and when we look from a children's perspective, uh, I ask the question, why should we open up the group who, uh, to, to adopt the child if there are enough uh, couples there with uh, both uh, sexes? In all of society, we, we discuss about um, gender, gender equality in parliament, in business, at school, uh, we say there are too many women at school and, and we need to have more men as teachers. But when it comes to, to, to the child and, and, and the first years in, in, a, in a biography of a human being, uh, once a son, it shouldn't be important to have both. And, and we see this as problematic. And of course, there are problems in many families in in Switzerland and in all of the world, um, but um, problems uh, are there in any uh, partnership, 
but this specific issue that there is one sex not as in the parenthood that that's the point we we say that's not needed that's not necessary mark according to the polls uh, the law on gay marriage is very likely to pass what is the the objective of the Swiss Evangelical Alliance, and you're speaking on behalf of the Swiss Evangelical Alliance, what is the objective of participating in this public debate if it's a lost battle? I see two important points uh, that we entered into this debate. One is a long time when we had, and it's now for seven years that uh, uh, our politicians talk about this issue, Nobody really raised the voice for the children. Nobody mm-hmm. said, okay, what's the children's perspective? And I think if we talk about adoption and, uh, and parenthood, it, 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 we should think about that. Uh, and, and the UN Declaration for the Rights of the Children's Rights says any child has the right to live with a mother and father if it's possible, if it's not against the child's uh, well-being. And so, so we try to, to, to bring this voice in just to say, okay, there is another responsibility in this uh, debate. And the second point maybe is as important as the first. There is kind of situation of the question of gay marriage is, is like a taboo. And uh, many people hesitate to get into the debate at all because they are afraid of the so-called cancel culture we experience in Switzerland as well. And what we want to demonstrate with our engagement is it is possible to peacefully disagree in heavy issues, to have a good debate, a good conversation about questions that are hard to deal with and very emotional and very personal. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, well, you mentioned um, already the sensitivity of the topic uh, in the public debate, and it, it's it's really uh, tricky to to engage a really candid debate about these issues and our convictions. Um, as Christians, we often claim that we are to speak the truth with grace uh, and therefore with with humility. So, so how do you apply that in, when you participate in, in uh, media interviews uh, on the topic, uh, when you engage on a debate on, on this particular topic? How, how does truth and grace, how does that work out for you? It's one of the biggest challenges I, I know for uh, to, to live in, in our time. Uh, to, in, I mean, in, in a personal relationship to, to deal about issues like truth and grace. Um, for me, it was a, a, a big opportunity to to practice uh, to, to to practice it. I I was invited by a female reformed pastor. She started a so-called Rainbow Church in Zurich, mm-hmm. and she invited me for a debate about the debate. And <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a lesbian uh, lady and wanted to talk with me not only about the theological differences, but about the question, how do we deal with those differences? And it's not often the case that it really worked out in the sense that we had a good conversation, that we had our differences very clear, but that we respected each other and uh, gave like 
not only respect, I think it was really loving your neighbor in the discussion, in the conversation, but being very clear that we have a different perspective or a different ethics in uh, sexual ethics uh, when it comes to homosexuality. For me, this, this was a good experience and uh, I try to, to do that uh, with other questions as well. Try to, to be clear uh, when it comes to the truth, but to learn from Jesus, to learn from God, how should we practice and should we use our words, use our presence, or sometimes protect even our um, opponent mm -hmm. <laughs> in, a, in a conversation or in a debate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mark, I, I'd like to come back to something you said a little bit earlier. You said that one of the reasons it was important for you to enter this debate, even if it's a lost battle in a sense, is because um, no one has really shed the light on children's rights in this issue. Um, and so I, I was thinking about how um, many children perhaps have had to live through difficult things in their lives. Uh, the, as you know, this is a broken world, broken relationships. So um, many children have grown up without their parents or with either one of their parents. Um, some have had to deal with um, gender-based violence within their homes and have had to flee away from their father. Um, yeah, um, other children may have lost a, a parent or two in wars, accidents. Uh, some children are born, in fact, uh, to a parent after rape. So considering all of these things, can you share with us a little bit more why you've chosen this specific battle against LGBT pro procreation? Are there other battles that you, sh you should be fighting for the fulfillment of children's rights? Yeah, thank you for this great and challenging <laughs> question. Um, the last time the Swiss Evangelical Alliance was involved in a, in a votation in Switzerland was when it came to the multinational uh, responsi responsibility initiative. So we had to vote about the responsibility of huge companies in Switzerland that, that work on a global level. Yeah. Sorry, Mark, this is the episode number two of the Domi where we interviewed you about this vote. So for listeners who would like to hear more about what you had to say on this campaign, they can go back to our episode number two. Now we go back to you, Mark. And uh, in, in this situation, why we, we, choose, uh, we chose this battle then? It was because of, of the weakest and the poorest. Mm. Uh, in many cases, the children that are working in the mines, that are separated from their parents. So I think it's our responsibility to always look who, who is the weakest part mm -hmm. in, in this decision that's ha that has to be taken. And I think the weakest part uh, then <laughs> was the children and maybe the mothers. Uh, and the weakest part now, again, is the children. Uh, and we just uh, th thought it's important to, to focus on this because uh, many people don't even know that it's about this question. And of course, um, <laughs> a lot of people on social media react very aggressively mm -hmm. and say, oh, don't you think about all the children already suffer in so many circumstances and suffer uh, in male-female uh, couple families? And I say, yes, 
we know and we suffer and we try to help. But don't forget, these problems we see in so many family, families, we will find in homosexual partnerships and families as well. All the families around the world, any form, uh, are confronted with, with evil, with, with violence. And so this is just another field. But when we decide on the very start of a child and we take away the father, it is just not fair to start like this and maybe then be confronted later with many other problems as well. Yeah, well, talking about fathers and the role of fathers in, in bringing up children, um, I hope you don't mind me asking a more, well, even more personal question, uh, Mark, because your father is a homosexual himself. Um, and I can imagine that this is a topic that you are discussing with him as well. So how is your relationship with him? And, and how do you apply, um, well, these principles in your own family? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm ready to to um, talk about this because uh, I did it on several occasions as well and together with my father. Today we have a, a good relationship, my father and I. Great. Um, that was not always um, the, the case, mm -hmm. especially uh, during my childhood and as an adolescent. It was um, challenging for the both of us and especially when he had his coming out. This was a very challenging time. How old were you then, um, Mark? I was around 20. So my childhood, I lived with uh, my mother and my father, um, not knowing what was sometimes a problem when we had conflicts. Mm. And now looking back, I, I better understand why uh, this was. Mm. And uh, I mean, we, we, we talked a lot about... Uh, my childhood, his biography, his challenges. And what it made uh, with me was, I wanted to know more, of course. I wanted to know more about the issue for homosexual people, mm -hmm. but as well, uh, the issue living with homosexual parents. Uh, okay, in my case, it was special because I, I did not live with uh, two parents of the same sex. Uh, now my children have like six grandparents, and and that's fine. We we uh, try to 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 live all the relationships, and and this is this is not hard. But uh, no, it's 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 challenging, but it's good. But uh, at the same time, I was sensible about okay, what is the situation of a child being with two moms or two dads? I mean. Uh, a mom can be a wonderful mom and both moms can be wonderful moms, but a mom cannot replace a dad. Even mm -hmm. the best mom cannot replace a dad because there is a difference in the sex. Uh, and, and this is important for, for the child from, from, from baby to, to teenager, I guess. I mean, it has not to become a problem uh, or a dramatic problem in a child's biography. It's, I just say it's, it's a risk that is not really needed mm. or the state should not plan it like this. Um, Mark, I'm going to return your question. <laughs> I'm wondering uh, how can people from who are not in Switzerland possibly be praying for you in this time, praying for Switzerland, but also praying for you specifically? Yeah, I realize it's, um, 
uh, it's challenging, of course, uh, for me as a person, but I really feel uh, supported mm. by the church, the community, but also the family. Mm. Um, what I think uh, you could pray for the church, the churches, the, um, the body of Christ in Switzerland, especially because there are differences in the body as well. Mm. Um, I would I would say in the evangelical lines there is a minority that has a different perspective uh, as we do, and we always said, okay, we we take a position, but we want to keep all those people with us who have a different perspective and decide mm -hmm. differently. We want to stay in connection, we want to stay in conversation, and we want to work together in many other fields. We want to continue. And I think this is harder than we think. And that's why we need prayer uh, to deal with, uh, with this. Uh, I think of the evangelical churches, reformed churches, Catholic church. Um, all of us are challenged, challenged by, by this. Yeah. Thanks mm -hmm. for, for your prayer and, and the question. Yeah. In fact, do you mind if I ask you a little bit further about that? I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. um, these are very controversial issues overall. And I'm inspired by the fact that you've somehow found ways, as you say, you know, it's complex and it's tricky, but you have found ways to to not divorce yourselves, if I were to use this word, uh, from, uh, yeah, from other groups who think differently. May I ask you to share a little bit about how how you have been able to do so? All of us, we agree in the evangelical lines, for example, or e even uh, broader, that any person is made in the image of God and is invited to, to come together, to come to church and to celebrate. Um, now, when we have ethical differences, especially sexual ethical differences, um, one opportunity to deal with it is to build small groups where you where you meet each other and 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 can share in a very personal mm. way maybe it's not always good to to do it on the podium mm. in the public so you need a safe space to talk about those issues and and small groups in the church where you talk about specific issues can help in in this situation some denominations uh, started now uh, like rainbow churches in a sense of, okay, those who want to leave a same-sex partnership uh, are specifically welcome, welcomed there. And I think that denomination would not say you're not welcomed in the other churches, but here we don't challenge, we don't challenge your ethical point of view. And we are just at the beginning, I guess, to see how that this living together works. Because there is another conflict in, for example, in the, in the Reformed Church in Switzerland. This is a state church. And if the decision is taken by Switzerland to have the marriage for all, the state church is like forced to have the marriage uh, for all in the church as well. Mm -hmm. And this can be even more challenging for pastors who have a difference, uh, a different view and say, okay, I, my conscience says, no, I cannot do it. So there, there come other problems and challenges. And uh, I guess 
we can pray for this and and to deal with this in a good way as well. Thank you, Mark. Um, really insightful and um, and inspiring. You're doing the work of peace building in your own communities as well. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. and thank, thank you, Ari and Wissam, for co-hosting this episode with me. Thank you, Manal. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this Didomi podcast episode. Our hope is for the Didomi podcast conversations to be edifying for Christians who want to engage in the public sphere. We welcome your feedback via email at contact at didomi.co. And we invite you to subscribe if you haven't done so yet. If you're interested in receiving our newsletter, you can also subscribe to it via our website, didomi.co. You'll also find us on Twitter and the gram as kids say it this, these these days on didomi underscore co until next time have a great week <laughs>